Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Uh, good morning, LifePoint. I, I, first of all, right out of the chute, I want to say thank you for um, our retirement gift. Going to Hawaii, had a great time. Best thing for myself was truly to see my wife enjoy herself after two years of long haul COVID. So thank you, thank you very much. I hope that we are praying for our pastor and my pastor. He's in California and he's going to be doing a memorial service this Sunday, today around two o'clock. So let's keep him in our prayers. Our church is about two things. It is about building believers and it is about sharing Jesus. If you are here today for the very first time, I want to welcome you here. I hope you get something out of this message that you can take home with you and that you can apply. What we're going to do is answer this question right here. How does God do miracles in and through your life. Because I, all, I believe all of us want to see God transform us. We all want to lead lives of significance where we know that our life matters and we're seeing the results of it through our lives. We're going to answer that question in this series. We're going to do so by taking a look at the life of Abraham out of the book of Romans. If you have a Bible, there's one in the pew, pull it out. Turn to the book of Romans. You'll get through the Gospels, there's the book of Acts, and then there's Romans. We're going to take a look and answer this question out of Romans chapter 4. Paul is the author of this book, okay, or letter. And Paul, being the master teacher that he was, would make a point and then he would give a story or an illustration. In Romans chapter 3, verse 28, he makes this point. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. He's saying that you and I aren't saved by works, by going to church, by giving our tithes and offerings, by, by praying, by walking old ladies across the street. No, we are saved by faith alone. After Paul makes that point, he gives this illustration using Abraham as an example and he does so because Abraham is the father of our faith. But he is not only the father of our faith, he is a model for faith. Paul, knowing faith is so essential to the Christian life, he spends an entire chapter, chapter 4, on it. And so what I want to do before we jump into the text is I just want to take a look at a few verses about faith. Because the word faith or believe is mentioned 485 times in the New Testament. 60 times in the book of Romans. One of those favorite verses on faith is Hebrews 11.6. We're probably very familiar with it. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases God. It puts a smile on his face. Just like when your kids trust you, it puts a smile on on your face. Here's another one, Romans 14, 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, 
Because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. In other words, living without faith is sin. It's a pretty important subject matter. Don't you agree? Take a look at Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. Faith determines what God is going to do in you and what God is going to do through you. And the Bible teaches that you and I get to choose just how much we're going to believe God to work in us and to work through our life. Take a look at Matthew 17, verse 20. And he replied, that is Jesus, because you have so little, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith solves impossible problems. And it does so because it shrinks them down to a manageable size so that they can be accomplished. Nothing is impossible for the one who has faith. Let's take a look at this last one out of the book of Romans. In Romans 1, verse 17, Paul starts this book off this way. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Faith is a lifestyle. From first to last, from the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ to the moment you take your last breath. Faith is a lifestyle from first to last. Now, like I said, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the life of Abraham out of Romans chapter 4. And we're going to see the miracle that God did in him and that the miracle that God did through him. And in order for us to get there, we need to understand what a miracle is. And Paul defines it for us in Romans chapter 4 in verse 17. Let's take a look at this. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, the father of our faith, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Those last two phrases are the two miracles that God does in your life and through your life. God gives life to the dead. God specializes in resurrections. He, he does this physically, does he not? Health is a restoration of life. He does this emotionally in our marriages, in our, with our families, in our relationships. He does this spiritually. When we didn't have Christ, we were dead to God. But now with Christ, we are alive to God. That is a miracle. God gives life to those things that are dead. The second miracle, though, is this. He speaks those things that don't exist into existence. That's what Paul is referring to in, or in Romans 4.17. It's interesting to me, as you study the first book of the Bible, Genesis, there is a phrase that is repeated again and again and again and again. And that phrase is this. And God said, whatever God says, guess what? It happens. This is the power of God's word. God speaks things into existence. 
Though they did before they existed. This is what Paul is referring to out of Romans 4, 17. He does two types of miracles. Now I want us to take a look, because I'm a personal, practical, positive type guy, at a practical application of this out of Abraham's life. And Paul gives us the cliff notes on Abraham's life in Romans 4, 18 through 22. Let's read this. This is an overview on his life. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Like I said, these are the cliff notes, Paul's cliff notes of the life of Abraham in Genesis 12 through 22. I want to take a look at those chapters in Genesis with a little bit more detail. Because Abraham, again, isn't just the father of our faith. He is a model for a lifestyle of faith. God is wanting to do a miracle in him and through him. And, God, and Abraham's journey starts in Genesis 12, where it says this, 1 through 3. And the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. In other words, leave civil society where you have protection to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. When God wants to begin doing a miracle in you and through you that will affect your life, your family's life, your friendships, etc. The first thing he does is he gives you a dream. He gives you a vision. He gives you a goal. He gives you an idea. God comes to Abraham here and he says, I'm going to give you a land. You've left your land. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through you, I am going to bless the world. He got a promise from God. And he got that promise at the age of 75. That promise in the Bible, theologically, is referred to as the Abrahamic promise. There are six major promises in the Bible. This is one of them. But the point is, every miracle that's going to happen in your life and through your life, and I don't care what it is, starts out with a dream. It starts out with a promise from God, a, a goal, a vision, an idea. The second thing that we see happening here is found in verse 4 of uh, Genesis 12. And so Abraham went, he obeyed, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. After the dream comes the decision. You got to make a decision. Am I going to obey God or am I going to stay in my comfort zone? 
Anytime you have a goal, I don't care what that goal may be, there comes a time where you've got to put your money where your mouth is at. And guess what? That makes sense, doesn't it? Because faith is not passive. Faith is active. And so Abraham is acting on faith. He decides, okay, I'm going to leave my comfort zone. I'm going to leave civil society. And God, I'm going to go for it. The third phase is this, delay. You see, here is the challenge that we have when we get a dream or an idea or a goal or a vision. We get impatient, don't we? Why is that? Why does God build delay into his timetable of doing something innocent through us? Well, let me ask you this. What is the first attribute of love mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. When God gives a dream, what it does is it produces excitement within us. Let me define that excitement as this, lust. Lust is an intense desire to have one's own way. But what God wants to do is turn that lust into a true passion of love. And so God builds delay into his timetable. We see this in Abraham's life. Look at Genesis 15, 1 through 6. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is the second time God has come to him. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? An intense desire to have his own way. Since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, why do I call this delay? Because this is the second incident that God has come to Abraham and he has told him the exact same promise twice. But now Abraham is 85, 86 years old. The first time he was 75. Now 10 years have passed and God comes to him and says, I'm still going to fulfill what I told you I'm going to do, but I'm waiting for the right timing. What is God doing? He is turning his excitement into a true passion of love and increasing his faith. And he gives him an object lesson. Look up at the stars. You see how many stars there are? Can you count them, Abraham? No. That's how many kids you're going to have. Now let me ask us a real practical question here. What do you do when you are in the waiting rooms of life? I can tell you what I do. I think there's one of three responses, typically, that we take. One is that we doubt. And I think Abraham had some doubts. 
Sometimes we despair and we just immediately throw it in, uh, throw the towel in the ring. But the third one is one that we see Abraham doing and we oftentimes do. And that is a detour. Abraham began to think, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. This first promise, 75, now I'm 85. I'm not getting any younger. He has a conversation with Sarah who's not getting any younger either. And they decide together, hey, we can have Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar, as a substitute to have a kid. And they did have a kid. Back then, culturally, that was acceptable, okay? But the point is that Abraham got ahead of God. Now, this leads us to the next step on Abraham's journey. And that is difficulties. In Genesis 17 is the story of difficulties. Like I said, Abraham had a son. His son through Hagar was Ishmael. But God says to Abraham, nope, he's not the promised child. And at this point in time, Abraham is 99 years old. He is now desperate. Why is God waiting so long to do a miracle in him and to do a miracle through him? You may be asking that question. Why, God, has it taken so long? It's because God wants Abraham to know there's no earthly way that he can do this, that it's only a God thing. Take a look at Genesis 17, verse 3. Abraham fell face down and said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, prince. Your name will be Abraham, father of many nations, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I'm sure Abraham, when he heard this, says, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same verse, same song, again and again. You know what I'm talking about? He heard this at 75, he heard this at 85 or 86, and he heard this at 99. And he adds difficulty to the delay by changing his name. I'm sure, remember, Abraham's a sojourner. He didn't have a home country. He's going here and there, and as he would run into people, I'm sure people would ask, hey, what's your name, dude? Uh, my name's Abraham. Well, how many kids and grandkids do you have? Zero. <laughs> he was a laughing stock. God is adding difficulty to delay. And yet notice in that verse that it says that God called, or notice in that verse that it says that God made you, I have made you a father of many nations, past tense. This is what, Paul's referring to in Romans 17. God who does miracles in and through. And he speaks it into existence as if it was already there. Now I'm going to explain this a little bit later. But for now let's understand the process. Because folks it's the same process that happens in your life. That happens in my life. God gives us a dream. A goal, a vision, an idea. Then we make the decision to go for it. Then there is delay. Then there comes difficulties. Then on top of that comes dead ends. Abraham knew at this point in time, no way this is going to happen through my flesh, okay? 
This is what I call the death of a vision. Now for brevity's sake, in Genesis 21, Sarah does have that promised child, Isaac. But in Genesis 22, because the story's not over with yet, God comes to Abraham and says to him this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Some believe that is Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. If that is not a dead end, folks, I don't know what is. But see Abraham's response to this in verses 3 through 5. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He's going for it. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants who were coming along with him, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. That phrase, we will worship and we will come back to you, is a statement of faith. God said to him, sacrifice your son. But Abraham says, we will return. What is happening here? Well, Abraham, no doubt, in the night, because he rose up early in the morning, probably had a restless night, but he began to figure, you know what? If God has asked me to sacrifice my only son, somehow, some way, God is going to resurrect him. And why is that? Because God does two types of miracles in our life. He brings things that were dead back to life. Dead marriages, dead relationships with our kids, dead other relationships. And he speaks into existence that which does not exist. Now Isaac is getting a little concerned, right? Take a look at this out of verses 7 and 8. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. That is a statement of faith. God's going to bring this lamb, which we do not have, that does not exist. He's going to bring it into existence. This is a test in order for God to bless. Now, I don't know about you, but folks, I could never do that with my son, okay? I, I love all my boys. But that is why, is it not, that Abraham is the father of our faith. But he isn't just the father of our faith. He is a model for a lifestyle of faith. Look at Hebrews 11. By faith, when Abraham tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he, had, he, he, who had, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac 
that your offspring will be reckoned. How was he able to do that? Because verse 17, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in the matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Do you see why Paul mentions life out of death? Brings into existence that which does not exist. How was Abraham able to reason this way? Will you write this down somewhere? Faith is rooted in the past. And its focus is on the future. Faith is rooted in the past. And its focus though is on the future. Abraham's faith was rooted in the past. He had seen God fulfill his promise and bringing life to his dead body and to Sarah's body. His faith was rooted in the past, but as he reasoned, his faith was in the future. God somehow, some way is gonna bring my, my kid back to life. My personal faith is rooted in the past. My grandma, my mom, and my wife Cheryl helped me come to faith in Jesus Christ. Other people that God surrounded me with has helped me to grow in faith. My faith is rooted in the past. And you know what? I am grateful for the 45, 46, 47 years. When you get this old, you forget. But for all that God has done and been faithful to me. But faith isn't focused on the past. It's grateful for the past. It focuses on the future. Our church is rooted in the past. 35 years ago, a band of people came together to birth LifePoint Church. And I am grateful for those who God brought the first year and the fifth year and the 10th year and the 15th year and the 20th year. Our faith has been rooted in the past. Carlisle Elementary, Schimmelfinnick Elementary, until finally we're on our campus here. Our faith is rooted in the past. I am so grateful for what our church has done. What a testimony to God. Faith's focus is on the future. Think about this. 35 years from now, you can become the root of faith for someone then. I call it Life Point 3.0 because I'm already getting beyond Life Point 2.0. Wow, what a privilege! to be on a journey, to be rooted in faith and to be grateful for it, but to look to the future. This is what Abraham was doing. And this leads to the last one, and that is deliverance. God delivers. He gives you a dream. You make the decision to go for it. Delay and difficulty are a part of the formula. There's a dead end. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen now? But then God delivers. Take a look how God brings something out of nothing in Genesis 22, 13 through 14. And Abraham looked and there in the thicket he saw a what? A ram caught by its horns. 
He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, his only son, by the way. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God comes through in the last moment. And we see this again and again and again with Moses, with Joseph, with Daniel, with Jesus and the disciples. And yet this is the journey. Dream, decision, delay, difficulties, dead end, deliverance. Now let's go back. And Abraham didn't waver in faith. Take a look at Romans 4.20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith. His faith grew all along the journey and gave glory to God. Now let's go back to that question. How do we see miracles happen in and through our lives? To see life transformation, to see relationships changed, To see a community impacted and changed. To see a world changed. Abraham did four things that Paul mentions in Romans 4. Look at this verse. The first one is in verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Abraham didn't believe in a principle. He believed in a person. It's found in the phrase, in whom. He didn't believe in himself. He believed in God. Faith isn't some mental attitude that you and I have. It isn't positive mental attitude. It isn't cyber, cyber, or uh, psycho-cybernetics. It isn't wishful thinking. I can, I can, I know I can. No, faith has an object. And Abraham put his object in whom? A person, he put it in God. The second thing that needs to happen to see miracles happen in and through you is in verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Stop right there. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? What this is, is an oxymoron. An oxymoron is when you take two contradictory statements and you bring them together to make a heightened statement. Abraham knew that there was no physical way that he and his wife could have a kid, and yet he hoped. Hoping in things with the conviction of them being there, though he couldn't see them. And that hope was in God's word. He hoped in the promise of God. Do you want your faith to grow? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. The third thing that Abraham did that you and I need to do is found in verse 19. Look at this. Without weakening in his face, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Faith faces the facts. 
Faith doesn't pretend. It doesn't bury one's head in the sand. It doesn't live in a fantasy world. Abraham faced the facts. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that faith is just hiding from the problems. That it's just burying one's sand. No, it's not. It's not hiding. It's, it's facing the facts with faith. I love this out of Romans 4, 18 and 19, Living Bible. It just reads so smoothly. So when God told Abraham that he would give him a son who would have many descendants and become a great nation, Abraham believed God even though such a promise just couldn't come to pass. And because his faith was strong, he didn't worry about the fact that he was too old to be the father at the, at the age of 100 and that Sarah, his wife, at 90 was also much too old to have a baby. He kept his eyes on God. And then finally, we see the last step is found in verses 20 and 21. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He gave glory to God. What's that about? He worshiped. What worship does, worship is an expression of faith. It is an act of submission. And saying, God, it's not up to me, it's up to you. And when you worship, God gets bigger. And your problems get smaller. To where you see that through faith, they can be managed with God's help. This lesson, is it for us today? Absolutely. All the challenges that we face personally, culturally, in the world, it's for us today. Look at this out of Romans chapter 4, verse 23. And this is why it was credited to him, that is, Abraham, his righteousness. The words it was credited to him was written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Is this for us today? Sure it is. Abraham believed God that he would resurrect his only son, Isaac. Today, we have an opportunity to believe that God resurrected his only son, Jesus Christ. And because he is alive today, he is working in us and he is working through us to see miracles happen. Let's stand up and pray as we close this morning. This morning with our heads bowed, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey, but God does. And maybe you've come to the realization that you're at the end of your rope and you're looking for deliverance this morning. You're looking for God to make a way in what appears to be a dead end, the death of a vision. 
and you've realized that you've been resting and trusting in yourself. But this morning, you want to give it to God. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never given your life to God right now. Will you do that? Will you come and just say this to God in the quietness of your own heart? God, I admit, I don't have what it takes. I'm just like Abraham. I don't have what it takes, God. But I believe that you resurrected your only son, Jesus Christ, that he is alive today. And I'm putting my faith and trust in him. And I'm committing my life to you. And so come in and work in me and work through me. However you said that, I guarantee you this, God heard that. He hears the quiet prayers that go on in our hearts and our minds. And if you prayed that prayer, something similar, will you let someone here on staff know in the back of the church? Because they'd want to help you, give you some literature. God, we thank you that you are the God of all grace, that you are the God of all mercy, that in our journeys of faith, God, you see us and that you're pleased with us because you see that we're grateful for the things you've done in our past, but that we are people who are looking and trusting you for the future. And so we give you this in your son's name. Amen.